Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is how you fairly and effectively evaluate big athletes. Like, what does a 4.8 40-yard dash mean for someone who's 250 pounds? No one can really say, like, well, how good is that? But if you take momentum, then you actually can start really looking at big and fast. And you can look at it objectively. So it's not there yet, but it's coming. And there are college football programs out there who are absolutely are charting it. And they're actually using it as a way to find a player's most effective body weight to play at. Today we are focused on data and innovations and our partner Recon Sports is one you're gonna wanna check out. Recon Sports gives you the win before you take the field with innovative, interactive scouting reports which allow you to visualize the game like never before. The reports allow you to turn your huddle data into modern visuals that will transform your film room into a pro-level scouting room. You'll customize your team profile, build out your schedule to scout your opponent's strengths, weaknesses, and tendencies with their automated dashboards. You can customize everything from field zones to personnel sets and analyze multiple game scenarios to help you study the film like never before. For the latest advancements in football reporting technology, don't fall behind the competition. Head to GetReconSports.com or at GetReconSports on any social media platform. Remember to check out our show last week with Dan and Danny Davis where we talked about analytics and leadership. The link is in the show notes. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on the idea that you value what you measure. And that's true on offense, defense, special teams, and certainly in athletic performance. And joining me to discuss that today, and joining me today is someone who identifies himself as a performance training and diagnostic testing for fast twitch athletes specialist. He's uh, the founder of the Armory Combine, Dom Zanat. Dom, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thank you so much. I am really happy to be here, and I love talking all things speed. And you do have a background in track and field and training sprinters and jumpers. You've been a head football coach. So the marriage of track and and football kind of go together for you and has really led to where you are now. But if you would give us a little bit more on your background and the key things really that have brought you to this point where this has become your focus. Thank you. So I was a defensive back at Colgate University. And during my time there, 
we had a strength and conditioning coach, TJ Reagan, who came to us from Nebraska. This is uh, when Nebraska was king of college football. And I'll never forget, he came and he uh, blew up our conditioning tests at Colgate. We were running the traditional gassers. Mm-hmm. And uh, TJ's primary focus was to take out the gasser and bring in speed. And I'll never forget when he evaluated us in the weight room and are running the very first time he saw us as a program. He summarized us as a very strong team, but we lacked explosiveness. So we eliminated some of the slow moving weight training exercises and we emphasized the Olympic lifts for fast switch performance in the weight room. And we eliminated gassers and we started emphasizing high-speed, high-quality sprinting with high rest and high-speed, high-quality change of direction with a lot of rest. And me living through that change and seeing the change in the team and the program's performance was really, really inspiring. And that inspired me to continue his mission as I went on to coach high school and, um, you know, in terms of uh, football. And then when I got into track and field, coaching high school, collegiate, and uh, professional athletes in track and field. High quality, high speed, high rest. That wins the game. Now to set the foundation for some of the things we're going to talk about here, I know when we think about speed, it's it's the king of, of all measurements to us, at least as most people think about it, because it's what you see, you know, in the NFL combine and they talk about it on the draft is is forty time, right? And uh, your premise is that the the forty time is a final time. Running is a final time, but it doesn't tell the whole story. Why don't you break that down for us a little bit and explain what that means? Yes, I would love to. So like anything else, there, any final performance, there's a pathway to get to that final number. So in the 40-yard dash, let's just say the number is 5.0. Well, is an athlete 5.0 fast, slow, moderately fast, moderately slow. There's so many questions you have to ask when you see a number. How tall is the athlete? How much does the athlete weigh? How much coaching has the athlete had in getting in and out of the start? How much coaching have they had in terms of acceleration? How much coaching and feedback have they had in working on running with max velocity? All of these things are factors in a final performance time. In addition, on the way to that final performance time, you're starting from a dead stop, and then you have an initial acceleration of 10 yards. Then you are transitioning your acceleration from 10 to 20. Then you're continuing your acceleration from 20 to 30. And then you're either at maximum velocity or approaching maximum velocity from 30 to 40 yards. So within that 40-yard dash, there are so many variables that we can study and analyze not only to appropriately evaluate the player, but to help the player improve. And the number one thing that's missing in speed is we get a final number and then we leave it. And we mark that athlete as either fast, medium, or slow. Mm -hmm. When in fact, we can use these numbers from 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, so on and so forth. We can use them to help drive improvement. Because in the end, you only have the players that you have in your program. And if you can get all of your players faster, you've just improved. So let's talk a little bit about what this looks like. Going to what most people do still is the stopwatch and 
they you know they go on movement or they go on a sound and then when he crosses the line they'll stop the stopwatch now we have the laser timing which does some things too but i know on this podcast probably back in december or january we had tony holler on and tony talked about the free lap so we're we're familiar with that um, there's definitely tools that have become more accessible and and definitely are worth uh, the investment they don't cost a lot but are worth having in your program so talk to us a little bit about the methods of determining these different points along the way. As you said, we're not telling the whole story when we just start at the beginning and finish at the end. What kinds of things are we looking for and what are the tools that we can use to get that done? Excellent. So I'm going to start with the tools. You can imagine you're set up for a 40. If you have lasers, you set your lasers up at every split that you want to measure. So if you want to measure 0 to 10, you set your laser up at 10 yards. If you want to set it up at, uh, you know, 10 to 20, you have your laser set at 10, 10 yards and 20 yards. And you can set them up every 10 yards, so on and so forth, for as long of a distance as you want. If you have a free lap, you have multiple cones that you can set up that you can receive statistics for as long as you want for as many cones as you have. So really, it's all about setting that up. Now, some other really important things to note, you can download some apps on your phone, like the My Sprint app, and you can do some of the same things on your phone. They're not quite as accurate and reliable, but they get the same point across. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to measure in speed how well you can accelerate and then how long it takes you to get to maximum velocity and then what your maximum velocity is. So if you're looking at an acceleration from zero to 10 yards, that is every single player on a football field. And we're talking about something that's going to occur between 1.5 and 2.2 seconds. So every single player should have that metric as a valuable tool to try to improve. The faster you are over 10 yards, the more explosive you're going to be in the first 10 yards of a football play. Now, after that, we talk about explosive plays because we know that those Five or six plays that win football games are usually explosive plays of 20 yards and more. They're usually the ones that are the, you know, the byproduct of a win, a punt return, a kick return, um, a long pass, a long run, or maybe someone running someone down and tackling them and then a goal line stand. We've seen that hundreds of times in our football careers. The highest speed possible is the factor that makes those big plays happen in football games. So by measuring high speeds and valuing it, what you're doing is indirectly training your athletes to call upon that when ready and when needed for those big play moments in those big play games. So just by valuing high speed and training it, you are allowing your players to have access to that when it's called upon the most. So when we look at the different splits along the way, and you know we do have these athletes who are going to be to you know, run the longer distances. Yes, everybody has that 10-yard. We need that explosion. That's important. Um, now these other guys who you're able to tell something about you know, where he's at at 20 yards and 30 yards and the splits in between. So what are some of the things you look for there in, in the application? Again, you know, how, how does this apply? How does this show up on the football field? Excellent. So what we're looking for is continuous acceleration in a 40-yard dash. The fastest athletes will have a 10-yard split that is slower than their 10 to 20-yard split. 
that is slower than their 20 to 30 yard split that is slower than their 30 to 40 yard split. So when athletes have their 30 to 40 yard splits as their fastest split, we know they are continuing their acceleration. That means they've created momentum that can travel with them all the way down the field beyond 40 yards. So what we're looking for is we're looking for a line, a linear path going downwards, meaning faster and faster times from 10, from zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, and 30 to 40. And as athletes keep training those, that path can get steeper and steeper and steeper, which means athletes are getting to become better and better accelerators. And you can do that just by charting the numbers. You don't even need to make diagrams with it. And again, these things show up. It's really important. The lineman that's running down the field to make the block that allows the receiver or back to break free to score a touchdown is just as important as the receiver or back that's scoring the touchdown. So all players on a football field need to have that linear path of acceleration so that they can call upon it when needed on those big play moments. So looking at the different numbers that we can have, as we said, we started this out as, as you value what you measure. And one of the things that you shared with me before we got going was the idea that speed can be the diagnostic. We've, we've taken those weight room numbers. They're easy to get, right? You're going to, you're going to get down on the bench and we know how many times a guy's going to get 225 or whatever the weight you put on. We know his max, you know, same with the squat clean, et cetera. But when we're looking again at a, a, a sport like football, where movement is so important, we can look at speed and the different things, and, and we'll get into some of these different indexes and factors that you've come up with, but speed as being the diagnostic. Talk to us about that. Right. So one of the things that is flawed is that we all believe that you're born with a certain speed, and you hear about it all the time. Um, speed can't be coached. Speed can't be taught. And there's an element of truth to that, right? Everyone has a, there is a ceiling that everyone has, but everyone can improve how fast they are. Everyone can. And by using these splits, you can find out what's needed to improve. So for example, let's say an athlete is um, in the top 10% on the team in their peak velocity but their zero to 10 yard split is in the middle of the pack. It's in the 50th percentile. What that athlete lacks is power. So what do you do to improve it? You create power. Well, how do you do that? Weight room exercises are important. Don't get me wrong. But one of the best things you can do to develop power from zero to 10 yards is the triple broad jump. It's a broad jump that happens consecutively three different repetitions in a row. The best athletes in our program can have a triple broad jump around 32 to 33 feet. So that means they're averaging over 10 feet per broad jump. What that means is they're creating power, horizontal power, which is what we need in football. They're able to produce force when their foot hits the ground and it doesn't stay on the ground very long because they're able to continue the momentum to, con to continue jumping. So that right there is like an, a great opportunity for someone to know, hey, I'm a little bit weak in my zero to 10, and now here's a very specific exercise I can do to help train my zero to 10 that's going to be a, a really good correlation 
to improve performance. Here's one more example. A lot of athletes, when they get to maximum velocity, their mechanics break down. So if you remember the Daniel Jones trip in, op- in the open field mm-hmm. a couple years ago, so that happened because he had excessive backside mechanics. That means that his foot, when he took off uh, in stride, the foot that was traveling behind him went so high above his glute that he could barely get his foot in front of his body to take his next step. It's a very common flaw among kids who are not trained in max velocity. You can improve max velocity just by improving your running mechanics. So someone has a very slow max velocity or let's say a weaker max velocity. One of the things that you can do to improve is improve their running mechanics and you can improve the path of their foot at takeoff from going to the back of their body to the front of their body. By doing that alone, not only are you helping them get faster, but you're helping them be more effective as a runner and preventing injury. When we got started, we talked about everybody really taking the 40 time as the end all be all. Now you've come up with some other things when you couple it with the 40 time that become important as well. And one of the things you've come up with is what you call the collision index. Talk to us about the collision index and what that measures. Great. So first, I want to make sure that I did not make Sir Isaac Newton's laws of physics. So what I'm describing is physics. And sometimes we get intimidated by physics, but if we simplify it, it makes our lives easier. So what we're looking for in football is, since it's a collision sport, is we're looking for athletes that can produce momentum. Now, momentum in physics is mass times velocity. So how do you calculate it? Well, if you take an athlete's mass, now we have to convert pounds into kilograms to make it right. We multiply that by their velocity over a given split of the 40. Whatever split we decide to take, we take that split and we convert it into meters per second. When we combine the mass in kilograms times the velocity in meters per second, we can calculate an athlete's momentum. That is a huge metric in American football. And in fact, it's one of the most important metrics in a worldwide collision sport that we know as rugby. They've been calculating this for a long time. And there's a high correlation between the highest quality rugby players and momentum. So it's pretty simple. Imagine a 220-pound athlete, football player. That means they weigh 100 kilograms. If they can run 10 meters per second while they're running, while they're running that means they are able to produce 1,000 newton seconds of momentum. If you're wondering what a 220-pound athlete that can run 10 meters per second looks like, you're talking about the average NFL running back. You're talking about NFL linebackers. You're talking about DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. So when you think of a football player creating momentum, this, we call it the collision index because when you have a ton of momentum, when people run into you, you don't fall. Your momentum keeps going. And when you run into people, they fall. So the more momentum you can create as a football player, the more effective you're going to be at the point of contact. So you're looking at this, rugby coaches, players are looking at this. When does that become a part of recruiting? Or are you aware of anybody who really values that and looks at that in recruiting? So it is an interesting dilemma because 
when you're looking at a football coach, they want to see a player and playmaking. And they don't necessarily want to see the – they don't want to know about the physics of a player. Not all of them do. Some do. College strength and conditioning coaches are beginning to chart this. As it becomes charted in the strength and conditioning coaches' uh, systems of college football, it will then become part of the recruiting process. This is how you fairly and effectively evaluate big athletes. Like what does a 4.8 40-yard dash mean for someone who's 250 pounds? No one can really say like, well, how good is that? But if you take momentum, then you actually can start really looking at big and fast. And you can look at it objectively. So it's not there yet, but it's coming. And there are college football programs out there who are absolutely are charting it. And they're actually using it as a way to find a player's most effective body weight to play at. So imagine this. If you gain weight and you keep the same speed your collision index just increased. But you cannot do this unless you chart speed. If you gain weight and your speed falls, then your collision index may or may not increase, but you can't get to your point of collision like you did before. So the most important thing is you have to get to the point of attack. Then how effective are you at the point of attack? So this allows... Uh, you know, coaches and players and in particular the strength conditioning community to help and advise players on what their most effective body weight is. Mm-hmm. Are you fast enough at the heaviest weight possible? I like that. That makes a lot of sense. It is what I've been seeing too is, is the, the strength and conditioning coaches, the performance coaches really are bringing some of this to the forefront. So it's, it will, uh, I think the the most interesting thing will be to see how long it takes really to catch on and become mainstream. But I, I could see that happening because you know you see all these things uh, with the data, with the analytics of of a play on TV, right? When you see how fast, what was the max speed of you know for for me in Cleveland, Nick Chubb as he was breaking away yep. on that run, right? So I do believe. Just people will, number one, become more interested in it because they're seeing that all the time on Sundays, even on Saturdays sometimes. But that will become mainstream. Now, what's the tool that's that they're using? They're not obviously using Freelap, but they see those things going. I think you have something similar you're able to, to measure things with. So they're able to, um, you know, they're able to use like, you know, it's either GPS tracking devices through wearables yes. or there's some software programs that can be, that can detect speed like through video and television. Um, I would say the most common thing among the college football in the college football world is the wearables. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the issue with the wearable is that it's a good thing for the game and it's a good thing for practice. It measures a lot of things, but it never tells you what your absolute capacity is mm-hmm. unless you're testing with it in a testing environment. And you need to test these things because now you know as a player, when you put the wearable on, are you, are you, are you playing near capacity? See, if you're, let's just say you're a, you have a wearable and you have uh, multiple runs in a game where you are, you uh, reach 20 miles per hour. 
But if you can play, if you can test at 24 miles an hour, then perhaps you should be playing at 21 or 22 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Where you may have another situation where you have a player whose capacity is 22 miles an hour, and they're also playing at 20 miles an hour. Well, now as a coach, you know, the 24 mile an hour athlete, you got to encourage them to pick it up a little bit because they're not playing at their, they're not playing at a, as great a pace or great of urgency as an athlete who has a capacity of 22 and is able to play at 20. So there's a whole bunch of factors that go into this, but I think the beauty of it is we're now becoming more informed about speed in game and testing speed. I think it's awesome. Definitely. Well, when you look at football, change of direction is also important, right? And is, is highly valued. And you've come up with something called the change of direction deficit. What is Mm -hmm. that? So again, I have not come up with the change of direction deficit, but I have employed it and I'm trying to make it more, um, more public. Let's Mm -hmm. put it that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, soccer coaches around the world and rugby coaches around the world have been studying this quite often. So the change of direction deficit is this. Just like let's think of our basic change of direction test, the pro agility, the 5-10-5 in football. We all say it's a great test and it's better than top speed. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But again, that test is testing a final number. And as you know, with anything, athletes can teach themselves to take the test and be really good. And some athletes with good change of direction who didn't teach themselves or didn't get taught might have numbers that aren't as competitive. So here's what you do. Since we can have split velocity in a linear sprint like the 40, we can measure zero to 10 yards in a 40-yard dash. The NFL does it. We can do it in college. We can do it in high school. We can measure that. Now, using technology, you can also measure the 10-yard split of a five ten five. The ten yard split of a five ten five is how fast you are coming out of a change of direction on one end and how well you're decelerating to change a direction on the other end. That acceleration and deceleration out of a change of direction is football. Mm-hmm. That's agility. So by getting that split of a five ten five, the ten yard split, and comparing it to your linear split you can now see who the most efficient athletes are in terms of change of direction. The closer your 10 yard split of the five ten five is to your 10 yard split, your zero to 10 yard split of a 40 yard dash, the better you are at changing direction. When you see an athlete who has too much of a difference in there, and I don't even know what you would consider the appropriate correlations to be, but you see that there's issues there, what are you going to do? What are the things you look to train in order to to, uh, get that to where it's supposed to be? Exactly, because every test we take should never be an end test. It should always be a diagnostic for future development and instruction, all of them. So usually when athletes have a hard time changing direction, they have a hard time decelerating. So you probably heard the, well, they're track fast, but they're not football fast. I'm sure we've all heard that. Mm-hmm. Well, the argument among uh, for football coaches against track speed is that they have a hard time changing direction because they have a hard time slowing down. So what do you do? You practice slowing down after high speeds. 
So here's an example. You run a 40-yard dash. You run as fast as you can from 0 to 30. You time your 0 to 30 to hold the athlete accountable for speed. And then you put a finish line 7 to 8 yards past the 30-yard dash, the 30-yard mark, and you force the athlete to accelerate by the time they hit that mark. As they get better and better at handling the acceleration and deceleration, you keep moving the mark closer and closer, slightly toward the 30-yard finish line. By doing that, you're forcing athletes to get up to speed in 30 yards, running fast, and then you're asking them to put on the brakes. That deceleration training is not only going to train the muscles, but it's going to train the central nervous system to respond appropriately. That's just one of many examples that you can do to help an athlete who has a huge gap between their 0 to 10 yard linear speed and their 10 yard split of the pro agility. Well, Coach, I think some of these will have to have you back on and maybe focus on uh, just training these different aspects of it. But to to wrap things up here, uh, for the coach who's become really interested in just listening to this podcast and wants to get started doing more, what steps should he take and what do you recommend for them to start implementing these things with their program? Yeah, so step one is a philosophy. If you value speed and you value high, fast twitch, change of direction. The reps have to be the highest quality and you have to give athletes appropriate rest. So my rule as a coach, if I'm coaching sprinters, I'm coaching football players, any sport that I'm coaching, if we're training speed for every one second of maximum effort that we are putting in, you get one minute of rest. So if we're running a 40 and it takes us four seconds to run the 40, you're getting four minutes before your next rep. So high quality repetitions with high quality rest. It is so important. So there's got to be a philosophical change. The second thing is you want to measure it. So you want to chart it. You want to calculate it. So again, like anything else, when you go into the weight room, one of the beauties of it is you get to see your progress and feel your progress. With running, it doesn't always happen like that. So Tony Holler always says, record, rank, and publish. Mm -hmm. Well, he's right. The more you record, rank, and publish, the more athletes are aware of where they're at. And when you know where you're at, you know what you need to do to improve. And then finally, I think it's really important for coaches to find someone that's in their community that they feel like is knowledgeable and understanding in coaching speed or developing speed. Reach out to them and build a partnership with someone at least someone you can ask questions to, you can get feedback from, because like anything else, we're only as good as the people we surround ourselves with. Tell us a little bit about the things you do. I know you run some combines. I'm sure that's some, some valuable data you're pulling out of there uh, for the colleges to look at. And we do have quite a few college coaches who listen to this podcast, but tell us about the other things you do and also where coaches can connect with you. So, you know, our coaches can connect with me on social media, on the Twitter account, at at Westchester. They can DM at any time, and they can, uh, you know, Instagram is at Athletics Westchester. But, um, for example, uh, uh, this coming Saturday on May 7th, we're having the All-Northeast Football Showcase in Albany, New York. Athletes are going to be coming from all over the Northeast, and they're going to be doing – they're going to be in position-specific groups and so on and so forth. And my job is I'm going to teach them how to run better, and then we're going to test them and give them feedback. 
the most important thing that we can do in terms of the events that I've been involved with, whether it's the Armory Combine, the All Northeast Showcase, the Northeast Speed Summit, as you can see, I'm doing most of the things in the Northeast, is that the athletes don't leave with nothing. They don't just leave with a final number. Mm -hmm. They must leave with the ability to ask or inquire and find out what I need to do to improve. And with those statistics, whether it's the Armory Combine or the All Northeast Showcase or the uh, the All Northeast uh, Showcase of the Northeast Speed Summit, the most important part and the most engaging part is when an athlete sees the numbers and then they say, now what? And then as an experienced coach, we can help provide them the now what? And in the end, that's why we're doing this. It's not for a college scholarship. It's not for professional contract. It might seem like that, but it's not. All of this is so that you can improve and get better because in the end, that's what matters the most. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time today and educating us on collision index and change of direction deficit and all the other things you touched on today. Definitely a a lot to chew on here. Uh, And it's been great meeting you and just learning about this. And I look forward to having some future conversations with you. So, again, thank you for taking the time. You are welcome, and I enjoyed being on here. Thank you again. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Be sure to check out the links in the show notes to Recon Sports, as well as our other podcasts that are related to this topic. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski and follow everything we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com.